0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Brilliant. Well, it's great to be with you. It's always hard following a vigil <laughs> like that. You just think, all right, whatever I do now isn't going to be creative. Um, but that was um, brilliant. Now, from creativeness, let's go to confession. I want to start off with a confession. Always... Very good thing. So, by show of hands, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? Out of interest, anybody, hands up if you made a New Year's resolution. Come on, some. Did you? What, young lady? What? What was your New Year's (laughs) resolution? Do you? What kind of New Year's resolutions did you make? To walk the dog for at least an hour every day. Brilliant. To walk the dog for at least an hour every day. And by show of hands who has failed their new year's resolutions already have you walked the dog an hour of reader oh my oh, daughter said i do it today and then did do it oh there we are well well done well done i made uh, i made new year's resolutions i was uh, gonna stop eating chocolate um yeah, that didn't happen. I was going to go cycling every day. I've been once, and I got a puncture and went home. Um, I, I failed spectacularly, and that's the problem with New Year's resolutions. Um, we have a go. Some of them we do. Um, some we uh, don't, and we, we can fail some of them. Now... The reason we make failures of New Year's resolutions is not the New Year's resolution itself, the big decision. It's actually the little decisions. Do you know what I mean? We can make the decisions on New Year's Eve or leading up to New Year's Eve. But the problem with the New Year's resolution is you have to make the same decision every day. So when you make a decision to go on a diet, it's not just that one decision. It's every time you walk past the shop. It's every time you could have second things. It's every time you could go into the kids' sweet jar and just take out the food because they'll never notice because they're too small to keep count. They're decisions you have to make every day. Or perhaps some of you made a decision this year, you were going to get on top of your quiet time. You're going to have time with God every day. Um, and so you make that decision. But actually, the problem with having time alone with God isn't the mornings, is it? Do you know what this problem is? It's the night before. You see, if you don't watch that Netflix box set until half past 12 in the morning, actually, you can get up in the morning. It's the little decisions the night before that affect the morning after. Or perhaps be a little bit more serious. Uh, For those of us, all of us, I assume, who want to be faithful to our partners, it's not the big decisions that make people go off and have affairs. Do you know what it is? It's the little likes on Facebook. It's accepting the old friendship of the person you know you should stay away from because there are feelings in your heart, but you take it because that's innocent. And then before you know it, you're looking over their holiday photos, and before you know it, you're messaging them. It's not just the big decisions, it's the little decisions. And as Christians, we have to realise that there is a big decision to follow Jesus, but there's a daily decision to follow him as well. And I want to look at this big decision and this daily decision by going to an Old Testament book, the book of Joshua. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Joshua. We're going to be in the very last chapter, Joshua uh, chapter 24. Now as you turn to Joshua chapter 24, get it up on your phones. um, Let me tell you where the situation is. Let me give you an overview um, of where we've been in the Bible already. We have had Genesis. Remember what happens in Genesis? God chooses to create the world as a choice. God chooses to create the world. And then the very next choice is, we, his creation, choose to go away from him. We choose not to believe his words, and rather to believe the words of the serpent. But then there's a third choice in Genesis. God chooses to save us. He chooses not to give up on us. He chooses not to destroy us and start from the scratch, but he chooses to make a promise in Genesis 3, where he says, do you know what? I'm going to send a serpent crusher. I'm going to send one who's going to save you. And throughout the Bible, we see choices in light of that choice. When you read through Genesis, you get to Genesis chapter 12. And God makes what he calls a covenant. Now, a covenant is basically a choice agreement. A covenant is a relationship um, between two people where they come together, two people, two parties, and say, This is what we're going to decide to do. And in the covenant, God says this He says, I am going to get a people, I'm going to give them a place, and I'm going to give them prosperity. I'm going to get a people, I'm going to make you into a great nation, I'm going to give you a land, and in that land you're going to live under my blessing. It is a contract that God makes with Israel. It is what we call a covenant. It is a choice he makes, but we have to live in light of that choice. Because he's chosen to save us, we now choose to be saved by him. You know, sometimes you see images on TV of ships that have been stranded. A couple of years ago, I think it was back in 2014, um, there was a Spanish ship that had broken free and had been dashed onto the rocks in France. And as the ship was on the rocks in France, um, it was going to go down very quickly, and the helicopter came along, and as the helicopter came along, the winchman came down, and as the winchman came down and kind of stood on the ship, he put his arm out, and he came to save them. Now the men on the ship, and the women on the ship, had to decide to give their hand to the winchman, didn't they? They had to make that decision. But when they got home, none of them went, well, I'm so glad I saved myself off that ship today. If I hadn't taken that winchman's hand, well, he would have been standing there like a lemon. None of them went home like that. They all said, wow, that guy saved my life. And God throughout the Bible makes a decision to save us. And as he comes to save us, we have to choose to take that salvation doesn't mean we save ourselves it's still him he chose us and because of that we were able to choose him and all the way through the bible it is a lesson in that choice that he chose us not because of what we did but we chose him because of what he did now this is vital because it helps our understanding of grace you know if you ever read through the old testament um it is hilarious at points in that you just think if i was god i would do something else Now, some of you this morning might think that the Old Testament is full of heroes. It's full of these heroes of the faith who did amazing things. I would challenge you, go and read it. Because none of them in the Old Testament were heroes of the faith. Do you know what? All of them messed up. Abraham, do you know what Abraham did? Big man of faith, pimped his wife out. He literally pimped his wife out. I mean, can you imagine if someone did that in church? I'm pretty sure they would be up for church discipline. You wouldn't go, what, well, he pimped his wife out? Next elder. Brilliant. That's what we want. Pastor, pimp your wife out. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. You go on to Moses. Moses is a great man, isn't he? What did Moses do? Moses lost his rag and killed someone. And not only did he kill someone, he had this great idea I've killed someone. I'll bury them in the sand. That'll work. What happens if you bury someone in the sand? The wind comes along blows the sand off he killed someone so he wasn't even clever in his rebellion and moses the man who killed people and had a stutter so he couldn't speak publicly he became the one who was used by god to save israel but then what about israel themselves israel the special people of god this amazing nation do you know what they did continually rebelled against god They were continually unfaithful. I'm going to have a look out here at average age. I'm okay to say this. (laughs) We tend to edit the Bible. So what we do is we get rid of words that offend us because we think people can't handle it. And so the Old Testament talks about Israel being unfaithful all the time. Unfaithful ain't the word. The word is whoredom when God comes and says you are an unfaithful people, he's not saying oh you're unfaithful, oh you know you were slightly awkward, he's saying no no, you were whores. you prostituted yourself out, in fact God puts a book in the Old Testament called Hosea where he gets to use that whole analogy he says to his prophet, right prophet I tell you what I want you to do I want you to marry a slapper what? I want you to marry a slapper why? so that Israel can understand who they were and how I came to love them and guess what she's going to do, what? She's going to go off and be so unfaithful with you that she's going to find herself back in prostitution again. Right. What do you want me to do then, God? Stand up and publicly condemn her? No, I want you to go back and buy her. I want you to pay for her. But why? So that Israel understand that they have gone away from me, but I always love them. The Old Testament is full of grace. All of the people you love, like David who wrote the Psalms, David who led amazing battles, we always forget, don't we? He when he should have been at war was on a rooftop spying naked women in the bath who i think should have been having bath indoors as well but we won't go into that um or maybe it's an i don't know in the almond valley i can't imagine that happening um and then what does he do he tries to cover it up by killing one of his best warriors and i think sometimes what we do is we gloss over all of this and say oh yeah but david was a good man deep down you know god knew his heart oh don't abuse that verse yeah god knew his heart we also knew he was a lustful man who had an affair and killed people abusing his power now when i read the old testament i go like this if i were god i wouldn't use any of these oh but what about noah he was a righteous man wasn't he look at him when everybody else didn't believe he believed and he built the ark and off he went and he got off the ark and he got hammered <laughs> he got absolutely blind drunk and then condemned his son for it it's an interesting one You look at all these people and you think, God, how could you use them? How could you love them? All the time, it's God choosing us. And because he chooses us in his grace, we can choose him. We've always got to get that right. We never get to choose God because we've figured it out and we're so clever and we're so good. And that we have the right to choose him. No, no, he comes and chooses us so we can choose him. Now, why am I telling you all this? It's to get you in to where we are. So God has been choosing his people all the time. And God's people all the time have been choosing other things. So after Genesis, you get books like Exodus. Do you remember? God's people ended up in slavery. And in their time in slavery, they cry out to God. God sends them someone to save them, Moses, who has a whole background that we've just covered. And then he has to fight with Pharaoh to get them out. And as they're going out, they come to the Red Sea. And all the Israelites come. They see the Red Sea and go... But if we go in there, we're going to drown. And then they turn around and they see the Egyptian armies and go, but if we stay here, we're dead. What do we do now? We're absolutely desperate. There's nothing we can do. And so God comes and does this amazing miracle where he parts the Red Sea and they're able to walk through in safety. And after they've gone through and their enemies come in, the water crashes down on them. Now, they have had the most amazing act of salvation in the Old Testament, the Exodus. And then they go, and do you know what they start to do? Moan. Moan. Oh, all this manna from heaven. All this water from the rock. Do you know, when we were in Egypt, we had cucumbers. Brilliant. Oh, I miss those cucumbers. And they start moaning. And they start grumbling. That's the big word in the wilderness years. They're grumbling all the time god has saved them but now having made that decision to follow god through the red sea in their daily decision to follow god they grumble in their little decisions they fall away but god doesn't give up to them mind you he does keep a generation in the desert doesn't he and after that generation has died out Caleb comes, the one that believed, of the twelve that spied out the land, only two believed. They come and they go into the promised land. Now, this is the book of Joshua. Now, in that time, through their enslavement in Egypt, the numbers have grown with only two midwives. I don't know how they did that. They were very busy midwives. Their numbers have grown. Now they've gone through the wilderness years. They didn't believe God for the land, but now they finally believed God for the land. In the book of Joshua, they go into the land. They're way outnumbered in the land. There's no way they should win the battle, but back battle after battle bar one they win and the one they lose the battle of Ai do you know why they lost it because of the sin of Achan before they'd gone in and they hadn't obeyed God but God still gives them the land and having taken the land at the end of Joshua we come and we have this speech where basically the Bible pauses and says okay God has come through he's given you a people he's given you a land he's given you blessings You've made the choice to follow God because God has chosen to save you, but now you need to make another decision. Now you may need to make a daily decision. You need to renew the covenant. That's what we're looking at. So look with me at Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And uh, I'm just going to read verses 14 to 28. 14 to 28. And you'll see some of the stuff I've reminded of you coming up. Joshua chapter 24, beginning at verse 14. Now... Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, "Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve the gods. It was the Lord, our God Himself, who brought us up with our fathers out of Egypt from the land of slavery, and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and brought us among the nations to which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God." Joshua said to the people, "You are not able to serve the Lord." he is a holy god he is a jealous god he will not forgive your rebellion and your sins if you forsake the lord and serve foreign gods he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after you you've, he has been so good to you but the people said to joshua no we will serve the lord then joshua said you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the lord yes we're witnesses they replied now then said joshua throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the lord the god of israel And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord and our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. Just got two points this morning. Point number one, choose your God. Point number two, count the cost. Choose your God, count the cost. And at the end, we're going to spend a couple of minutes covenanting together. Um, that's why, hopefully, on your seat, um, you've got one of these. Uh, choose this day, this is the key verse. Um, and we're going to covenant together um, with these. So, first point, choose your God from the start of the bible all the way through god always gives us choices always gives us choices god creates the world gives us everything but then gives us a choice don't eat of that tree believe my word then in the exodus he comes and he saves them brings them out into the wilderness and what's the first thing he does he gives them the 10 commandments you shall have no other gods before me i have saved you now here's your choice And now we've had the conquest of the land in Joshua. He's come in, he's given them all of the land. He's given it to them on a plate. He'll say, I've given it all for you. And now he's saying in chapter 24, choose your God. God, all the time, puts the choice back to us. Because he has chosen us, we need to choose him. Now, choices are huge in life. And generally in life, we tend to make two types of choices. Active choices and passive choices. Do you know what I mean? Um, so if I decide to get fit and to go out running every day if I go running that is an active choice I have actively participated in that choice that choice is mine but out of interest how many people you go running hands up how many people well done Mark Mark is the only man who goes running now oh well done okay now the rest of you hands up hands up the rest of you because you've all made not an active decision but a passive decision by not choosing to go running you have chosen not to go running it's a bit complicated isn't it (laughs) but by choosing not to go running you've chosen not to go running you've actually made a decision indecision is a decision so for example the local church I'm sure Pastor Phil will teach you this all the time and I see in the way he leads the church if the church decides not to change it is deciding to not change So any church that comes and says, oh, you're too, you know, you're very modern, you know, for you it's all about the music, go to the old-fashioned church and say, yeah, but you're making exactly the same decisions, it's just your decisions are locked in 1835. You've made a decision to be out of date and old-fashioned. We make active and passive decisions. And many of us in our Christian faith are making passive decisions all the time. We don't think we're making spiritual decisions, but we actually are, all the time. And so Joshua is telling us here: we need to make active decisions. We need to decide the choice. But do you know what's even more worrying? In life, most of us we don't make any of our own decisions. They're not active. They're not passive. Do you know what decisions they are? They're decisions by other people. How many of us have a problem with saying no? Are there any of you out there? I hate saying no. So someone will ask me to do something. I know I shouldn't do it or I haven't got time to do it or it's not the best use of me to do it. And because I can't say no, I leave it. And I leave it. And I leave it. And then the other email comes and it's too late and it's too embarrassing to say no, so I say yes. The decision has been made by someone else. How many of you at the moment are living a life and your life is entirely decided by someone else's choices? We need... So, so, the husbands. Oh, oh man, you don't know what it's like, John. It, it's, it's hard. Other people make choices for you. The key thing here is God has chosen us in his grace and he wants us to choose him. He wants us to make a decision about him now Joshua comes and it's a physical decision they're in a foreign land whilst they've got rid of many people they haven't got rid of everybody and so now they're surrounded by different nations in particular here the Amorites and they serve foreign gods and they are physical gods they are gods you can see with clearly ungodly ways things like temple prostitution and, and all those kind of things and so now every day they need to choose who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship Yahweh your God, the God who rescued you from Egypt or are you going to choose the foreign gods because it's a very real problem you see imagine joe the israelite he's by his foundry uh, boundary wall and he's talking to his neighbor you know andy the amorite and andy says hey guess what we're all we're all going worshiping tonight oh i i oh, i i'm going to the synagogue it's all right I, i'm not coming with you and andy goes no come on man you know where well, it's all the same, different paths up one mountain boy. Come on. No, 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 no. I, I love my religion, you know. The men get circumcised, it's all really exciting, everything that happens. And he goes, Men get circumcised? Well well in our religion the men get as much temple prostitution sex as they want. W- where do you want to go tonight? Well Andy, I'll come and check it out. That's what happens. It's hard. And that's what they would do. They would look at these other gods and think, well, it looks quite good to me. And it wasn't just things like that. Some of their gods promised rain. Some of their gods promised fertility. And do you know what? When you've been trying for a child for so, 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 so long and praying and praying and praying, and God doesn't seem to come through, when another god comes along and says, well, I'm a fertility god, you'd be tempted to give it a go. And so God's people are in this place where they're in a danger zone. And so Joshua comes and says, "Tues this day whom you will serve. God is coming. He's putting his hand down to save you. Will you give your hand to him? Will you choose him? You know, some of you this morning need to make this choice for the first time. Some of you this morning are on a journey of faith and you haven't trusted in Christ for the first time. At the moment, you're looking into all of these things, but you still think there's a chance you could save yourself. Or perhaps there's a place where you still think it's okay if you don't choose or perhaps you think, well, I'll just be in a place of not choosing. But what have we learned? If you're not choosing, you are choosing. Mm-hmm. Every day you choose not to choose Jesus is a day you choose no Jesus. Yeah, right. And you need to make a decision today. He is coming and he is saving you. He's coming all the way and he is saying, I will save you in grace. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you struggle with, or what you like, or what you think of yourself. Whether you think you're unworthy or not worthy enough he loves you and he's done everything for you you see here they look back to the exodus which is the highest kind of saving point in the old testament for us we look back to the new testament and the cross and we remember how god literally like the winchman from the helicopter onto the sinking ship came into our world stood on our earth became one of us went through everything the world could throw at him and then even though he was perfect and didn't need to die went to the cross And when he was on that cross, the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin, who was perfect, became sin. He was our substitute. He took all of our blame. So when that darkness came, when the cross was there, that darkness was meant for us. But Jesus took it all in our place. The verse goes, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God that we might have all of our guilt taken away by the cross and all of his perfect life given to us. It's the great exchange. God comes to us and says, I am willing to give you forgiveness and perfection and all you need to give me is your sin and your failure. What a great offer. And some of us this morning need to make that choice. And today, I would say, as you look at this card, choose this day, choose this day to turn to Christ. Choose this day to be saved. Choose this day to serve the living God. Do you know the living God, the God of Christianity says this, I will come to save you by sacrificing for you. Every other God, every other God comes like this. I have come for you and you will sacrifice for me. Every God you follow ultimately demands sacrifice. If you follow the God of Korea... In the end, he will ask you to sacrifice your family. If you demand the gods of excitement and entertainment and lust, in the end, he will ask you to sacrifice something. God is the only God who comes and says, I'm not asking you to sacrifice anything. I'm offering you my sacrifice. That's what you're getting. A God who doesn't demand first, but actually delivers you. Who saves you. Choose this day and perhaps you're here this morning and you're a christian like me and you need to make that daily decision to choose god perhaps if you're honest lately your decisions have been to choose other gods it's hard isn't it you see we don't have those kind of boundary walls so many do we where we talk to someone from another faith but there are other gods all around us there are idols all around us there are things that can pull us away from god you know an idol isn't just like a little uh, buddha that sits there That's just what an idol is. An idol is anything that you put your security, satisfaction or status in. It's something that you say, I need that and I'll be safe. Or I need that and I'll be satisfied. But not only is it your satisfaction, security and status, but it's also you give your submission to it. So if it tells me to do something, I will do it. And as Christians, we're so tempted, aren't we, to put our security in other things. Do you know it's great... Um, to to provide for your family is great Um, to to, to have a pension all those things i'm not speaking against any of those um, things but sometimes we can come to a point where we are investing so much in those because we don't trust god to come through we trust in horses and chariots we don't trust in god or perhaps sometimes god doesn't satisfy us anymore and so on days when we're feeling down instead of turning to god in prayer We turn to a box set of Netflix, or a bottle of wine, or an inappropriate friendship with someone else. When we should turn to God for our satisfaction, we turn to other things, or submission. Sometimes we know God is challenging us on a lifestyle issue, but the world tells us it's okay. Isn't that so hard? One of the things we've uh, always had in our church is when uh, youngsters uh, get engaged, um, it's always hard. Any engaged couples? i don't. got to be careful now. Oh, well done, well done, well done. Look at the married men in church and see how it goes. But um, <laughs> it's, it's great, it's great, it's great. And one of the things we've always struggled with is this. is people get engaged and well-meaning and loving family and friends say this to them. Well, look, you're going to get married, so you may as well live together now. Because it's cheaper. I mean, why are you paying two rents when you can put those rents together and put it into a mortgage? It makes some financial sense. And hey, you know, you don't have to sleep together. Yes. You know, as young people who are madly in love with one another, I'm sure living in the same house together will be fine. You have all the self-control you need. And it's so hard. Because I think God is clear. It's not just about sleeping together. It's about being above the kind of hint of immorality and it's about the public witness of the church as well because no matter how many times you tell your friends oh we're not sleeping together they'll all go yeah you're not (laughs) and I think my basic line is if you can live together and don't sleep together don't get married Um, that's my basic hint you can think that through you can think that through it's not a good recipe for marriage Um, so you've got to make that decision and it's hard it is hard it costs you financially as a church in those situations, we always come through as elders and say, look, one of you come and live with us rent-free. Just, just live with us and we'll make that happen rent-free for you. And, and those decisions are hard decisions, but we have to make them. Every day we have to choose which God we're going to serve. Yeah. But it's not like a New Year's resolution. This is what you've got to get. Choosing our God sometimes can seem like hard work, kind of like a New Year's resolution. So I want to get fitter, so I'm going to run. That's a New Year's resolution, isn't it? let me change the analogy what if the analogy wasn't I've eaten so much food over Christmas and I feel terrible and guilty so I'm going to start running to get fitter what if the analogy was this what happens if you didn't have any legs and God miraculously grew your legs and then said go and run (laughs) what? I've given you legs go and run well it's much different now isn't it because that's all you've ever wanted to do and you will go and run When God gives us our commands in scripture, it's not do this to try harder. It's I've given you new life. Now go and do it. Now go and do it. We need to see that it's in the context of grace that God says choose your God. But here's the second thing and this is going to be very quick. This is going to be very quick. When you choose your God though, you've got to count the cost. You've got to count the cost. It is going to be hard to choose the Lord. You will be out of step with your desires at points and you will be out of step with the world around you. And people will think you're odd in the way that you are. You know, Phil over communion, Pastor Phil this morning over communion, remind us to forgive. I think that's one of the places where as Christians we're out of step with the world. Where we say to no matter what you've done to me, no matter how much you've wound me up, I'm going to forgive you. Because God has forgiven me, I must forgive you. And sometimes our friends in the world really struggle with that. Why, why are you forgiving them? Why, why are you giving them time? Why are you nice to them in work? I mean, they passed over you for a promotion and they stuck the knife in and took what was yours. Why are you doing that? It's because I'm a Christian. It's because God has saved me by grace. And we need to count the cost. Every day in making a decision is making a decision to count the cost. To choose this day to follow God. And you know, some of us, we've been making wrong decisions and it's time to stop. It's time to say, I'm not going to follow that for my security. I'm not going to follow that for my satisfaction. I'm not going to follow that for my status. I'm not going to submit to that anymore, but I'm going to choose my God. Why? Because he saved me. He has chosen me. You know, I loved singing, um, oh no, you never let go. It's a great song, isn't it? See, here's the great thing. Because God chose us first and then we choose him. That means he's never going to let us go. Because it's not based on our choice. This is what really winds me up about the Old Testament. Can I tell you what really winds me up about the Old Testament? Is God keeps coming and saying, If you don't repent, that's it. But I'll still love you. You think, what are you saying, God? Just, just threaten them and get rid of them. But he never gives up on them. Right to the end. The Old Testament, they're limping through in the days of Malachi. And God never gives up. He says, I will always keep a remnant. And here is the great news. Because Jesus has died for us and paid the price. And our standing before God is based on the cross, his forgiveness, and Jesus' life, his righteousness. That means God will never let us go. Even on those days when we fail. Even on those seasons when we wander. God will never give up on us. His hand is always extended to us in grace. And he is always saying, come back. Come back. Because he has chosen us, we can choose this day to follow him. And so what I want us to do in this last two minutes is I want us to covenant together. Covenant is a, is a kind of agreement. And I want to ask you, I've thrown things at you this morning. And I've deliberately, randomly thrown in illustrations and um, applications because we're a wide group of people. And I want to ask you a question as we've sung this morning perhaps or as i've spoken has the holy spirit prompted you in an area of your life is there a place in your life where you've been making decisions and god this morning has put his finger on that and said you need to change that is there an area of your life where you haven't submitted to christ and the holy spirit has come this morning and said i want that is there an area of your life this morning where you have felt Not the condemnation of God, because God never condemns his children, but the conviction of God. Where God has come and said, you can change that. You can be different. I want to encourage you to choose this day to follow God in that area. If you're the type uh, to write things down, I would encourage you now to write down on the back of you an area of life of something you want to deal with. Or keep it in your Bible, put it on your fridge. But choose this day. I wonder, is it this morning that you haven't been making decisions? Have you realised this morning that you're just, you're coasting? And you thought you were doing okay because you're turning up to church and you're reading your Bible and you're giving your tithes, but you realised do you know what, I'm not excited by God anymore. I'm not following him anymore, I'm not risking for the gospel anymore. Choose this day to take your faith seriously. Or can you see yourself going down a path where you're going to end in trouble? A relationship that you need to stop? A habit on the internet that you need to kill? Is there something you know there is a God who is coming? And a false idol that is coming to get you? Choose this day to say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go for you. And perhaps you're here this morning and this is going to be the first day where you say, No God, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my days. Today is the day I choose to follow you. I want to encourage you, choose this day which God you will serve. And do you know what? It's just like the New Year's resolutions. There will be days when you fail. There will be days when you fall, but God doesn't give up on you. Do you know what God says to you on those days? He says, here I am, let me pick you up. He doesn't even say get up. He says, here I am, let me pick you up. His grace is inexhaustible. He has chosen you so you can choose him. Choose this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have chosen us. Father, that your gospel extends to all. No matter who we are today, whether we've been in this church every day of our life or whether we're new to this church. Father, whether we feel that we have had too many chances from you or whether we feel... We just don't deserve your love. Father, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can look back to the cross every day, that we can have that remembrance, not that memorial, but that remembrance. And we can see that you have made everything right for us so that we are safe in your hands. Father, help us this day to see that you have chosen us and that we must choose you. Help us to choose you this day, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.